Hi everybody, welcome to Season 3 of What's IG and Crashing On. I'm Karen Walby-Solomon and I'm your host. And we're here to talk about what's hot in pop culture. Welcome to Episode 7 of um, What's IG and Crashing On. Today, we are joined by two old friends of mine. Um, Stephen Nagel and Dean Raval. Am I saying your names right? Yes. <laughs> Welcome, guys. <laughs> I love how you were like old friends of ours, but like, oh my word, am I saying your name right? <laughs> it's like <laughs> nice. Yeah, but you know you <laughs> But um, um, they have a new short film out called Mia and I, which tells the story of an artificial intelligent woman who becomes a companion to a very much real woman. And and I don't know, how do I say the conflict that ensures? Because I don't want to give away spoilers. But um, we're going to be talking about that a little bit later. It's now available to rent on Vimeo, on demand. Um, but we're also joined by Leanne. Say hi, Leanne. Hi, how's it going? How was your week? <laughs> uh, that's been good. I forgot you were here for a second. I know, just being uh, a me and I artificial <laughs> intelligence person. You should have been like, hi, welcome, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> next time, next time. So, so guys, um, I want to talk about like going back to um, going back to the cinema because it's been such a difficult two years for the movies. And I know that you guys are all... I mean, I think we're all on that same like level of we would go to the movies alone. We'd love going so we love going so much. So um so okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with, with you, Stephen, because you're on the, the end of my of my panel here. But um what is the first movie that you saw and how did it feel going back to, to the cinema? Okay, so for me it was I think it was Shang Chi like more recently, uh, that I saw going back to the cinema. Um and I saw it on IMAX, and it was such a big, bombastic experience um, and very worthwhile going back. Um, but I think for me, what I what I enjoyed about the whole experience is, you know, just like, I know this sounds really weird, but the feel of the soft carpet in the cinema and the smell of popcorn, you know, all of that just bringing back those memories because I love the cinema. So for me, it was it was such a joyous experience to be back, back like at the big screen. Uh, but I will say that I did cheat a bit, like over the last little while. You know, whenever it was locked down and it was like, um, you know, the level would would go a bit lower and then the cinema would open up. I'd sneak in a, a screening on my own, like <laughs> here and there. So I have like seen one or two over the last couple of years, but um, always safely. But yeah, it was it was a fun and interesting experience, um, and I'm happy that it's that it's back. Hmm. And you, Dean? Yeah, no, definitely. I think um, the lo- the first movie I saw, so in contrast to Nagel, I didn't like sneak in. I was like, for the last year and a half, I hadn't seen the movie in the cinema, which was very much um, not my, like something that you mm. associate with me because I, I'd be at the cinema like so frequently. But uh, Shang-Chi was my first uh, venture back into the cinema. And I mean, it's a Marvel spectacle. So seeing it on the big screen is 
you know, something that you need to do. Um, and obviously there were new protocols, which felt a little bit weird. I mean, I went with a couple of friends and we had to do the whole skip a seat thing. And mm. um, obviously there's masks, protocols and all that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit different. Um, but at the same time, same with Nagel, like that, that feeling of being back, you know, in the, in the cinema, uh, on those, in those seats, you know, on the big screen. Um, it, it was just something that I missed for such a long time. And obviously because we had gone to the movies like almost every weekend uh, before mm. that. So, I mean, and I know you're quite familiar with that as well. I mean, we've seen movies together as well. So, like, I can't wait for the, the lineup of movies that are coming out, like No Time to Die. I haven't seen it yet. I'm going to in the next couple of weeks. And Dune, mm. um, <laughs> Eternals, obviously, Spider-Man No Way Home. Like, it's it's amazing. It's such, like, we're spoiled with the content that are coming out in the next couple of months. And I'm just so happy we can be back in the big screen for it. Mm. Um, and Julian, what are your, what are your movies? I think... I mean, definitely it was, Shang-Chi was the first one. And I mean, my husband is a major movie fiend. He was like a small kid. When I say like two hours before we were meant to leave, he was like starting to pace around the house because he was like, we're going to the cinema. It's like, you need to calm down. Because um, yeah, there's just, there's nothing like the cinema experience when the lights go out and the trailers start. And like, it just, um, it, it was just a bit weird because like, they obviously there are protocols but depending on the cinema and the people in it like not everyone's adhering to the protocols so it is it was like fantastic because i missed people reacting in a cinema if that mm. makes sense but then it was also after a year and a half of just watching movies with me and my, my husband like then all of a sudden have people like chewing popcorn loudly or like <laughs> laughing and weird but i was like why are they so loud? <laughs> so it's like one of those weird social interactions you have to get used to again. But yeah, very excited for, I actually think Bond is going to be the next one we go see. Um, and then interested in The Last Duel, which, um, Last Duel? The one with Julia. Adam Driver and Jodie Comer? Yeah, they're, they're I'm actually kind of keen to see that because I feel like I haven't seen a period like that sort of drama in movies in a while. Like, you know? So, mm. so keen on, on a period piece at the cinema. I um I actually didn't think I I like I was like oh I don't miss it that much I'm fine at home, and then I was like when I went back I was like no there's nothing like this like <laughs> I think I could actually I would like to keep the skipper seat um like I don't like people too close to me <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm good yeah, with that cool. I agree <laughs> with that. Yeah, that's actually very cool. Really nice. You have like your space and you can Yeah, like, you have more you know, space. You yeah. there's, there's no fighting over cup holders. Oh, it's a dream. It's absolutely <laughs> dream. Put your popcorn and stuff on the one chair, your yes. bag on the other chair. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm I'm quite excited for Dune. Um I, I I've never read the books and I hated the movie, the other movie. But I'm oh, the David Lynch one. Yeah. 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 I, I know there's like yeah, cult followers, sure. but I was like, I don't get this. I don't. <laughs> it just wasn't for yeah. me. But mm. yeah, Stephen, what are I you excited cost... to watch? Sorry, sorry. No, no, no it's, cool. it's cool. So for me, um, Dune, I think is the next big one. I've seen the new Bond movie, um, mm -hmm. which was amazing. Sorry, my dogs are making a noise in the background. Apologies for that. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, Dune is the next one that I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm a big fan of the book, um, and I'm a big fan of Denis Villeneuve. So mm -hmm. I think he's one of the best uh, directors working today. So 
yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that um, with that film because, like, like you, I'm not a fan of of David Lynch's Dune because mm. it's the one film from him that I don't like. Like, I actively dislike. It's bad, and and I'll get a lot of backlash for, for saying that. Apparently, he doesn't like it either. Eh? Like, yeah, I mean, he's yeah, like, so, he wants to take his name off. man has spoken. So yeah, mm. but I'm looking forward to Dune. That's probably biggest on my list, and then Eternals and No Way Home as well. Mm. Oh, I'm so excited. So, like, so, so talking about like um, big name properties. So, the House of Dragon Game of Thrones prequel dropped this week. So, what are, what, are you guys excited for it? Are you ambivalent? How do you feel, Stephen? <laughs> Go first. Okay. Um. So. <laughs> I didn't actually care about this because of the way Game of Thrones ended. You know me, mm. I'm like a huge fan of Game of Thrones, like buying all the merch and like always hyping up every season that came out and like getting every season on Blu-ray or DVD. Uh, and then like from season six on, they just like completely destroyed it and made it crap. So I wasn't looking forward to this. I was like, no, I don't actually care. But it feels like there's a lot of, of like competence in this in terms of the creative team. And there's a lot of, um, yeah, I mean, George R. R. Martin is involved himself. Um, and I also think that, like, David Benioff and D.B. DB Vice or Weiss, whatever, they were kind of, like, handed the keys to the kingdom and they didn't necessarily deserve it. They just knew R plus L equals J and then they got, like, the mm-hmm. keys to the kingdom. <laughs> so um, the fact that, like, these are, like, actual directors from Game of Thrones, like Miguel Sapochnik is one of the, mm-hmm. the showrunners, and I mean, many of these episodes were amazing. So I'm optimistic about where it's going to go. Um, but I wasn't that interested. And then I saw kind of like, I saw there was black people in Game of Thrones. And I was like, yes. Uh, you know? <laughs> Representation, you <yeah. laughs> what, what What is that family's name though? Like, cause I'm, I'm, I never read the books really. So I don't know. Like, I think it's something I like the Valerians. Yeah, Valerian. Valerian. Valerian, yeah. Val- okay, but E-E-L. Yeah, it's a different spelling. Mm. Yeah. So I'm excited for them. Like, I want to see, see what their vibe is. And you, Dean? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, obviously, season eight of Game of Thrones hurt us all um, and obviously <laughs> left a bad taste in our mouths. But, I mean, the world is so dense um, and, you know, the Targaryen history is so interesting. I mean, it dates back. Obviously, this takes place 200 years before Game of Thrones. So it just tells you how much rich history there is. And as Nagel mm. said, the, you know, um, George R. R. Martin's involved in it. So, I mean, I think we barely scratched the surface in Game of Thrones with regards to the Targaryen history. And this trailer got me so hyped. I can't wait to see Matt Smith as uh, Damon Targaryen. Mm. Like, I think he, I, I love Matt Smith. I think he's fantastic. And, uh, I mean, whether or not I'll wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning to watch it live <laughs> is another story, because that's what I did with Game of Thrones. Um, it remains to be seen. But, yeah, I'm actually quite excited for it, yeah. I was, I was, I was, I was like not into it because obviously the way that that the Game of Thrones ended, but also because I really wanted the um the other prequel, the Age of Heroes. I mean, like the, the Age of Heroes one with Naomi Watts, because I was so interested in that time period. I'm like, oh my gosh, but enough about the Targaryens. But then I saw this 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 trailer, and I was like, oh man, damn it, I'm in it again. <laughs> I want to watch this. I want to know more. Me. Yeah, I yeah, know. they got us. Got him. They know how to do it, man. Yeah. True. My my friend last night was like, um, she was like, 
um, I'm nervous for the amount of incest that's going to be in the se- in the show, and I'm like, there's going to be tons. <laughs> this is the in- this is like the incest generation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we were actually talking are like known for incest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like just everyone, and they all have the same names. Like it's just so incestuous as well. <laughs> like, um, but we were also talking about like because this is a Targaryens thing. Like, how many dragons are going to be in each episode? Like all the mm. time. Like because like remember because when they were obviously a smaller part of Game of Thrones, not smaller part, but like obviously there yeah. were Starks and all you know all the other families. This is largely a Targaryen thing. So are we just going to see dragons flying everywhere every episode? Like. How much is that CGI budget going to be? Like, it's, yeah, it's going to be quite interesting, I think. Yeah, no, it's going to be amazing because there's, because that's the time when there were like tons of dragons and they were huge ones also. So um, yeah, I'm quite exactly. excited. They, they better do a good job of it. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I have hope. I remember, I remember when, um, like, there used to be like a dragon centric episode and then there would always be like a news, a wave of news that like, oh, this took this percentage of the, the seasonal budget, and you're like, holy crap. And then, like, so now I wonder what, how that's going to be, you know what I mean? Because we've, like, dragons all over the show during this period, apparently. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. So now they're going to have, they're, they're probably going to budget specifically. Remember, like, when the dragons used up all the budget and we just stopped seeing the dire wolves? Like, we couldn't yes, see exactly. them anymore. They were like, we can't, we can't <laughs> exactly. to the budget anymore. <laughs> Because the dragons just took up all the budget. <laughs> but yeah, no, but maybe, like, I feel like probably because Game of Thrones is so successful, they're probably giving so much money to the show. And yeah, HBO, I think, like, is putting a lot of, putting a lot of stake in, in, in these kind of like big uh, budget, like temple shows, basically. So yeah, I think, I agree. I think it's, I think they're not going to be shy with the, the budget that they're giving to it. But even like, I mean, the smallish, like his dark materials, like that show's budget is also um, like the, the, the CGI in that show is amazing. Like, I'm like, for sure, this not, it's not a Game of Thrones, but like, you know, like the way it looks, like if you show, like put that show next to like uh, Game of Thrones season one, like it's, it's, it's amazing. But I mean, I suppose the, the technology has also changed so much. Um, what is that going to ask you now? Um ah never mind i don't know oh, i was gonna say even if you look at the new eternals um like if you look at, at like the shit that they're doing on there like it's uh, like it's um everything looks stunning yeah and chloe, chloe Zhao as well is like so fantastic at like what she like storyboarding and 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 knowing exactly what she wants visually um as well so i think yeah no it's it's one of the things i think they they're really hitching the beds on eternals i think it's going to be a game changer in the mcu um i'm mean, really excited to see it mm-hmm. also i know it's we so were soon. talking about we were talking about game of thrones but just to add on for eternals like why i'm so excited about that is because chloe Zhao comes from like a completely different type of cinema like independent and like using lots of natural light and she keeps a lot of that look for eternals so you have like these um like these amazing like sunrises or sunsets and then you have like the cgi creature in the mix there so i like that blending um and i think it's a very unique look for an mcu film as well so um i mean if you if you watch like her films like um the rider for example and even um what's the latest one with uh nomadland um yeah, I mean, like, lots of natural light and wide open landscapes. So you see some of that in the trailers for Eternals. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. It's a very unique 
visual kind of approach your marvel film so yeah mm. just thought that mention that i know you're talking about house of the dragon but yeah no no it. no it's fine we we, <laughs> we go where the conversation takes us Stephen. we go yeah. <laughs> um but I also wanted to chat about, okay, so this Friday was the Ted Lasso finale, and I know you guys are both big fans of Ted Lasso. So what did you guys think of season two? Okay, Dean, we can start with you. Okay, I'll, I'll follow, okay cool. Um, as, a, as a huge football fan and like a huge Jason Sudeikis fan from like stretching back to his SNL days, like obviously Ted Lasso was my show. Like I, I loved mm-hmm. everything about it, like the vibe, the humor. Um, the fact that they brought in all these different like characters um, and made it more of an ensemble show, even though you know it's called Ted Lasso and we focused on him at the beginning, they really made it about the ensemble, especially in season two. Um, I felt like we needed like a positive IP show like this, especially in the last like couple of years, um, and they really delivered. Like every Friday, uh, I needed to watch the latest episode, um, and obviously this past finale was incredible. I love what they did with um, with Nate's character all season. I like they were really like just chipping away at his sanity and wow. also just like creating this villain. Like that 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 moment um, in the in the store with the, with the mirror, we like spits at himself i was just like that is such a huge character moment like i love that there was like a, a darth vader moment i was just like it's so so good and obviously like um roy and keely's like perfect but not so perfect relationship made for great viewing especially in the last i'd say couple of episodes um early in season two i was a bit worried about the lack of a, a clear antagonist because um obviously in the first season rebecca's character was kind of like undermining ted and obviously the villain uh, but they kind of reconciled or kind of like squashed that whole thing at the end of the first season and then in season two there wasn't so much a a a villain or antagonist but they were focusing more on character flaws and vulnerabilities Mm. which i thought was a really really good masterstroke um so i really enjoyed season two um i love sam richardson as well i'm a big (laughs) fan of him and he's like his cameo in uh, the final, the finale was so good. I laughed so loud, especially that last scene was ridiculous. But um, yeah, overall, I was a massive fan and I can't wait for season three. Mm. And you, Steven? Yeah, so when I started um, Ted Lasso, I wasn't a big fan because um, like straight out the gate, like the first episode and that I was like, oh, look, it's uh, some guy from the States who's getting a job that he probably not qualified for and I was very cynical about it and and Mm. all that but I think it won me over you know like as we move through season one and kind of like you just it's so wholesome and you meet all these interesting characters and yeah I think they're taking a very big swing with with season two ending in that way and like the way they built Nate up and it looks like they're making him like a real true antagonist you know so I think that's cool, and like I saw it being telegraphed throughout the um, throughout the season, and especially like the uh, I think it was the funeral episode where Rebecca's ex just like leans into him and says something in his ear, and I was like, "That's the moment, <laughs> you know, he's uh-huh. probably going to be doing something after that." So, so yeah, I found it was it was pretty cool. The writing also it's so consistent and so good from week to week. It's like the character characters just feel so authentic and, and real, you know what I mean? So whatever they're doing in that writer's room, it's like, it's it's magic, like compared to what other shows mm-hmm. are doing. It's it's really on another level. So yeah, I'm looking forward to see where they go with the story. And I, 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 I love the fact that they 
they made it more of an ensemble show. Like they're not just focusing on it. Like that for me was the best thing they could have done. Um, and it mm. seems like it was always the plan uh, because I think it's way more interesting than just focusing on Ted Lasso himself. Um, and yeah, if you look at the amount of screen time that all the other characters get, it's kind of like fairly evenly split across the board. Uh, I think also a good uh, kind of subplot in season two for me was uh, Ted's uh, kind of relationship with uh, Dr. Sharon, you know, like yeah. them kind of navigating mental health. I thought that was really, really interesting. And both of them kind of learning from one another and developing a friendship at the end of the day. I thought that was really sweet. And also, I know it's, it's just very cool to see mental health being portrayed that way on, on screen with Kay, mm. you know what I mean? So, yeah, I thought that was that was quite cool. And I think it also like it humanized Ted a lot because with the like the positivity thing, it just it didn't seem like something a normal person a normal person wouldn't be that positive all the time. And to kind of understand like what where it comes from and why he's like that, sort of make him like he seems more like a like a proper character than a caricature or something like that. Um, but yeah, yeah I also really I really love the show. <laughs> I'm um I I don't know I don't know what it is I don't think. I don't know when last the show that's not a reality show has got me so excited to watch every week. And and like and the way that show has just like pulled me in. I um I I would have like the one thing like I, I did have a problem with is like I do think that some like the standalone episodes, even though it was interesting, I think it kind of like it just felt a little bit out of place. So like sure. the, the Coach Beard one and the stuff. Coach Beard one. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like I enjoy, like I want to know more about Coach Beard, but I didn't want it to take away from like what's happening in all the other, you know, all, they sure. really built yeah. up what's happening in the story too much. Um, yeah. And I would have liked to see like Ted's reaction to what happens in the finale with Nate, like yeah, <laughs> at the in the time jumps. Um, yeah. Also, my uh, this is what I was thinking about. I was like, if I was Sam Richardson and I was trying to get Sam to come over. I would have taken him to a museum and say, can you see all these African things on display for the Europeans? You are one of them. Yeah. That's what I would have said. Yo, that's, that's brilliant, actually. Wow. Colonize your mind. Yo, telling me to kill Monger. <laughs> yeah, that's what you say. I'm like, why is he taking him to a museum? That's, that's the, that was the logical point for me. But anyway, yeah. he didn't say that. Oh, but that's, <laughs> a, that's a brilliant line. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's so good. You should be, yeah. <laughs> you should literally just pop in and be like, here's the golden line that's going to that's gonna yeah, do everything. The, and the then just pop out again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being, put me in with Jamie Lee. What's in it? Jamie Lee is one of the writers, no? One of the comedians. Yeah. I think yeah. so. Um, and Phoebe, Wal Phoebe um, Walsh and Brett Goldstein is also actually a writer as well. Roy Kent. Um, yeah, and Ashley Nicole Black. Yeah, he Black. started yeah, as a writer. He did, he did. Yeah. And then yeah, he, he was, was talking like... about it. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. No, I, I think he, it was in the episode with um, that he did on his podcast with Patty Jenkins where he was saying that he was invited as a writer and then he actually um, did the character and he said, like, I could do this. And then he, he, mm. he made a tape, he self-taped. And he yeah. sent it to them and he was like, listen here, if this works for you, I'll do the part. But if it doesn't, just make as if you never 
um, you've never seen this, <laughs> you know, yeah. just destroy the tape. And then we're like, no, this actually works. And, and so, it is easy. Do you know, yeah, you know what's, funny, quite... what's funny about that as well, right? I was listening to an earlier uh, podcast of his, because um, he has a podcast called Forms to be Buried With, and he did an episode with uh, Jack Whitehall. And this was in 2018. And they were talking about like how there aren't any good uh, TV shows or films about soccer or like football. And obviously that was predating Ted Lasso. And they actually meant like a Jack yeah. Whitehall was like, oh, I heard um, Jason Sudeikis, like it's apparently a thing that's happening. And obviously Brett Goldstein had no idea about it, but it was so weird listening to it now yeah. that he's part of the show. And like that was back before it, like it was, oh, it was so interesting. Um, but I just, yeah, I thought that was really cool. I also love like the the juxtaposition between him as a person and Roy Kent. Like he gets so excited and he's like he's such he a fanboy. <laughs> and like yeah. every time he's like on a different show being interviewed, like yeah. or, or he's like or he's like chatting or like somebody else mentions the show that like he's a fan of, he gets so excited. And I'm like, oh man, and and Roy yeah. Kent's like not impressed yeah. by anything. Not at all. And he's, yeah. he's such a cinephile as well, which I love. I love yes. the fact that he knows so much movies. It's amazing. He's such a geek in general. Like, he's one of us. <laughs> so, <laughs> <it's cool. laughs> and, and Roy Kane's like, just like, mm -mm, no. Yeah. Whistle, yeah, whistle. Yo, my whistle. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite jokes. <laughs> the whole thing. Whistle. <laughs> Because he was my like, it's so sensitive. Yeah, my lips. <laughs> oh, gosh, I love him so much. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> I guess we're talking about cinephiles. So, guys, okay, let's talk about me and I. So, um, wh where did you guys come up with the idea for the film? Like, start us off. Okay, so this was like, I would say 2018, 2019. Um uh, you know, I was a big fan of, of Black Mirror and like, but like back in the day before it landed on Netflix. Uh, so I used to love it. And uh, I was like, you know what? I want to try like making a story like that in the vein of Black Mirror, where it's like, you know, grounded in reality, but there's this near future tech that's involved. And just to see how human beings interact with that, uh, with that technology and how that can you know turn out and it's black mirror tends to have like a bit of a dark tone to it so that's kind of like what i was going for uh and then it was kind of like a shell of an idea about a a companion and a, an android companion and a human being like having this very uh mesh together weird relationship and then i pitched it to dean and um and then we just started writing it. So initially we wrote like a, a very short script. Uh, and then, yeah, we just decided we're going to do this because uh, what happened was what we've been doing for the last 10 years is just kind of like mm -hmm. writing short, short films and just making them, just shooting them on our own. And yeah, so this was just like another project and it was like the most ambitious one we, we decided to do so far. And yeah, I, I think the story just, took hold and I find it difficult to talk about the story without spoiling anything. So I don't necessarily yeah. want to spoil it. Um, but go and watch me and I, uh, but yeah, so, <laughs> so I think that's kind of where it, where it came from. It was just that, that uh, desire to kind of tell this, this interesting uh, tech story with like grounded characters, basically. 
So yeah. So so talk me through like the making of the movie because I mean you guys talk about how it's like it was created on a budget and um but it's like it's very like as you say ambitious but it's like it's it's a really great movie for being made on a budget like the amount yeah. of like effects and like how it looks and everything so yeah talk us through how like you okay, so so the the film was made on a budget of about 20,000 rand which is absolutely ridiculous because it's got a running time of like yeah. 46 minutes 46 minutes yeah so that's like absolutely unheard of um but we've been making films like on very low budgets for for years so we kind of we understand like how one does that and it does take like a lot of support from people around you whether it's family friends um collaborators who are in the industry as well willing to actually give their time for free and and also just like your own time as well just kind of like grinding away so what we did was we actually uh pitched the um the story to one of our actors from a previous short film um nicola um she started in day zero that we did and then she wanted to come on board as a producer and help us kind of like crowdfund it so we crowd we ran a crowdfunding campaign in 2019 to raise the funds um and we were we were expecting to get like to do this whole thing on like 15k because we had a much shorter script and we didn't think it was going to be as big <laughs> as big as it was mm-hmm. uh and then you know we we were overwhelmed with the response to our crowdfunding campaign and we got so much we got like an extra five grand basically to film to film this thing and i think a lot of that money went into um you know the logistics of shooting you know like renting gear and you know um like props and and costumes and things and then also petrol money <laughs> so <laughs> um so yeah i think like um for the most part the film is more not i wouldn't say more i would say it's just as much crowdsourced as it is crowdfunded so what i say what i what i mean when i say that is a lot of the budget went into the logistics and the props and the physical elements and then the crowdsourcing was the actual cast and crew that came on board and collaborated with with us mm-hmm. essentially for free so uh that's how we pulled it off um we didn't pull it off like we as the whole pulled it off here yeah yeah the gestures don't really work on audio um but yeah i think the 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 main difference between this and some of the other films that we've done was that we had such specialized people coming on board and helping us because i mean karen you know you helped out on on uh, day zero as a script supervisor uh Nagel and i were doing a lot of uh the key roles um on, on the film um so we were kind of like a two-man band in that sense but in this one we had a very talented cinematographer, um, uh, present company's husband, <laughs> um, Stephen Phillips. And so, I mean, that's, I mean, that was fantastic. That took a weight off our shoulders. Um, and obviously we had a script supervisor. We had a, a, a in day zero, I was holding the boom mic. <laughs> um, yeah. And this time we had someone who actually knows what they're doing with the boom mic. Um, so that was fantastic. So we had a lot of really good specialized people come on and help us and help us then direct the film um and direct the actors and make sure that the vision was what we had envisioned um so yeah that's um you know that's i think that's what sets it apart from all the other 
um, films that we've done previously. And obviously the, the fact that we got so much support, like Nagel said, from uh, people that were willing to do it um, for free uh, really helped us um, get it over the line and make sure that we use the budget well. So, I mean, I know you guys said you like you wrote and you worked in this like 2018, 2019, but did you kind of like foresee the fact that it kind of um, like it loops in with the whole COVID vibe? Like the isolation, the depression, the like, the kind of like the needing of a companion. So, yeah, It's actually so funny because when I first read the strip, because as you mentioned, my husband worked on it and I was going to be involved at some point. And it was so funny because it actually, at the time you guys had written, it was very much playing on the ESCOM load shedding narrative. And then actually the delay with COVID made it so much more relevant because of COVID because then ESCOM became like a back feature Although now we're back in it, so now it's back. Yeah, it always comes around. The wheel always turns. Yeah, Um, but yeah, I think that like the delay actually helped because it meant that the the plot became so much more. It's it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was just kismet. You know, it was just it just happened that way. Um, And sometimes that does happen. Like your stories, uh, the resonance of your stories uh, grow. And I think the reason that that has happened because at the heart of me and I is the characters, you know what I mean? So, and Sophie is someone dealing with depression and, and mental health issues. And that was very important for us to kind of um, portray in an authentic and um, like kind of like a real way, you know what I mean? And not, not a way that's exp- uh, exploitative, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that, that was very important for us. Um, and I think now because a lot of people are, are dealing with that because of the times we're having. Uh, I think it's just more resonant with a lot of people in that sense. So yeah. I was I, I thought of like I, I was like you know you after COVID you're going through like this whole like like during COVID like this recluse stage. And I'm like oh now you have to go back out in the world, and like part of me was like oh no I don't I, I'm scared to go back out in the world and then I'm like sure but just now AI comes and take. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> Spoiler. Let me just put myself in time. But you guys know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't, uh, yeah. That's a warning for me in my life. Let me just. Um... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cautionary tale. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cautionary tale. I, and I just want to say, like, I, without spoiling, um, I really love the ending. Like, oh, it was perfect for me. Perfect. Thank you, um, yeah. Thank you. We we were we were worried that like some people, without giving it away, we were worried that it was maybe not going to land as well. Um, as because we were like, it's a bit, I don't open ended, so to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it was a masterstroke on our end to actually do that. Um, because you know it kept people talking afterwards and the discussions afterwards was so great. So yeah. Mm. It's like the spinning top. It's always the interesting yes, thing. Yes, yeah. it's exactly right, Karen. You you nailed it. We <laughs> referenced that. Yeah. yeah, we were like, but this is okay. the inse- the Inception ending, and I can't, I can't believe you just ending. I can't believe you just pulled that out. That's amazing. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, we're trading. We're trading very close. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we okay, actually yeah, are. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. this is okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so what are you guys working on next? Um. So we've got a couple of things in the pipeline. Um, I okay. So the 
the contacts and details haven't been signed yet, but we have something in active development. I'm just putting it out oh, there in the world. We do have something yeah. in active development, a short film. Uh, so that's uh, that's one thing I'll just touch on lightly. And then we we have been in conversation with uh, a producer to um, produce one of our other feature scripts. Uh, so, yeah, we're hoping for the best. But I think the whole point of, of me and I was to kind of like put it out into the world and show to producers and broadcasters that, look, we are here. Look what we can do with a 20,000 rand budget. Imagine what we could do with the support and infrastructure of like a mm. full production. We've got the stories. We're ready to tell them. Absolutely. So, it's like a so yeah, card basically for us. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what we've got in the pipeline. And then we are considering also possibly filming a, sh a short next year sometime, uh, which we haven't written yet. Uh, but, you know, we've got a lot of support from like friends and even some of our backers who have offered up uh, locations for us to shoot at um, pretty awesome locations after seeing me and I. So, yeah, we're going to in a few weeks time, we're going to go scout those and then see which of our our stories in our in our draw of you know hundreds of mm. stories that we have uh would would fit in best with kind of those locations and yeah i think that's the plan just just keep creating that's that's the plan you know that's all we want to do so yeah mm. so what do you think is like the biggest lesson that you've learned during this you know this pe like this time like with me and i and your previous films i think um the biggest one like that I've learned personally is like collaboration is key. Like we we have the the the, the skills to write a good script, and we can, you know, obviously we've learned and done a lot of um, running and gunning and stuff. But like collaboration with people who are very specialized and actually know what like you know know exactly or always in line with our vision, basically. Um, you know that's so great because it takes some of the pressure off of us and it allows us to make a really really great film you know sometimes in a short space of time on a limited budget as is the case with independent filmmakers these are the limitations um so it obviously helps to have as many um talented and you know well experienced hands on deck so i think that was the most important thing for us because obviously nagel and myself have been doing our thing for like just over 10 years um and we've had to build this kind of network of of collaborators that um has now become like this really, really substantial and trusted network. We've got people, actors, um, DOPs, um, um, sound people, script supervisors, um, you know, sound designers and composers. We've, we've, we've worked with them so much now that we've created this kind of, for lack of a better phrase, family of, of, of collaborators. Um, that's really, really, I think that's the, the, the biggest thing for us over the last few years is just understanding that it's a collaboration um, as more, more than anything else. And you, Stephen? So yeah, like I would say just to, to Riff of what Dean was saying as well, I think it's also just about connection um, and just connecting with people and the right people. Um, and in a way that's kind of organic and and speaks to the art that you, you're trying to create. So I think, I think that's important because you never know where an opportunity to create something new is going to come from. So I think just um, meeting people, talking to people and putting your work, like showing your work and putting it out into the world, I think that's very important, um, which is difficult for introverts, you know, and I consider mm -hmm. myself an introvert. Um, Same. So, yeah, like, I, I think that's, yeah, it's, 
I mean, like, that's a whole other podcast in its own about, like, how it's so difficult for introverts to kind of, like, navigate a world that's designed for extroverts who are just shouting about mm-hmm. what they're doing all the time. Um, but, yeah, I won't, I won't go on a tangent. Uh, but, yeah, I think just connecting with people and in an authentic manner, I think that's something I've definitely learned over the last little while and just keeping those people in your life. Um, yeah, I think that's that's important to creativity. Okay, and then let's, let's ask the question we always ask. Um, who was your first celebrity crash? Okay, I, I got mine. Okay, you got this. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure it's Nigella Lawson. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that... Your, yeah, your, first, think, your first crash, Nagel. Yeah, I think Nigella. so. <laughs> okay. I think so. Yeah. I'm thinking back in the day, I saw her like on TV cooking something and I was like, wow, the way she cooks, eh? Damn. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I oh still have that crash to this day and she... She replied to me on Twitter and I was like, I had butterflies in my stomach. So I think, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's definitely Nigella. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I mean, I had I had so many, like, crushes, just like like local ones, like on KTV and YoTV and all those kind of people. <laughs> but, like, and like, I think the, the most iconic one is, like, Kimberly the Pink Power Ranger because <laughs> like I love Power Rangers yeah, I know. Love and she was, she was like the epitome of like you know uh, like in that, that time uh, coming of age it was like oh my word she's like perfect um, but I've, I've had so many crushes like over the years like I'm it's a problem for me I know this but like every show there's always at least one chick who I'm just oh sorry not chick one woman who is <laughs> who I'm just like wow she's like and then I just like I'm 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 in love with her. Basically, it's it's a it's actual real problem. Um, <laughs> but uh, my Ted Lasso one um, is actually Hannah Waddington, like um, Rebecca. No. I, 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 it's just something about her. She's so poised and she's so like um, she's actually really really beautiful. Like I I, I love her. Um, I think she's yeah she's she's great. Um, but I could you could literally like every show. I just my my ultimate one is Alison Brie from Community because mm. uh, Community is one of my favorite shows and Alison Brie is just inside and out. She's just amazing. Like not just even as as any in the show, but just like Alison Brie in, in general. I could talk about her for a whole length of a podcast. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a lover, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, basically that that would be mine. Yeah. Okay, so um, so this is our final segment of the show, and we basically it's called crashing on and we and we talk about things that we are have been obsessing over over the last like two or so weeks so we will let our guests go first so steven what have you been crashing on okay so is it only one thing you can do two like the, the, the top okay so for me um six education i'm now i'm late to this but i started watching it and i I tried like a, I had a few full starts and I wasn't a fan of like where it started out, you know, season one. I thought a lot of the characters was were coded in kind of like a way that's like very generic. Um but then I think like later on in season one and season two and season three the um the writing matures quite a bit. So I think it's a really important show in terms of expression, especially for young people. And I think it, it it actually just showed me various perspectives on the things that young people go through and like certain things that I went through when I was younger that I maybe didn't think about in the same way. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, sex education is a very important show. It's funny as hell, but I think it's also just very important, important from like an educational standpoint for parents and um, I wouldn't say kids, but like teenagers maybe to watch. Uh, so yeah, that's the first one. And then the other one that everyone is talking about, um, Squid Game. Uh, and this one is, this one is really important for me because I, because it's a survival drama, uh, story and it's not the kind of story that can be sold easily to a producer or to audiences. Um, I mean, the creator tried for 10 years to get it made. Uh, but it just shows that, like, this kind of story can be really popular and can resonate with people around the world because of the themes that it carries. And I find that really inspiring as someone who writes genre, film, and series, mm. you know. Um, that's not necessarily mainstream because you you can often get boxed in a lot as a creative. Like, oh, you know, this is what's popular. That's what's popular. We need this type of looking person. And, you know, we don't want that. Whereas Squid Game is kind of like breaking through all those barriers and saying, no, we can have a full cast of, of South Korean people and it can, it can be in a, a foreign language and it can be about like it's the most violent thing on TV at the moment. And yes, yet it's the most popular thing in the world right now. So I just, mm. I think that just goes to show that um, every story deserves a chance. Is what I'm saying. And that's why I, I love it so much. And that's me. And and you, Dean? Uh, so in keeping with what Nagel was saying about being late to the game, uh, I've only started recently watching Teen Wolf for the first time. Um, oh, so I'm, wow. I'm, I know, I know. So like I've got like six seasons to watch and I'm on season four at the moment and I'm really enjoying it. Like I love it. I think it's got the right blend of action and drama and comedy um, and everyone's like, they bring the A game to it, and I'm trying to avoid spoilers because there's movie there's a movie announcement now. So like now everyone's like, oh, I wonder if so and so is coming back, and I'm like, but does and, and if they don't mention someone, I was like, oh no, did that person die? Because like I haven't seen all the way through it, and I'm just like, no. So I'm trying to avoid it. I'm obviously quite happy that Teen Wolf is getting a movie. That's fantastic because I'm just gonna ride that through. Uh, but I'm now I'm, I have to like finish it really quickly. But the thing is, I've been watching like one or two episodes every evening for like the past few weeks now. Um, so I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, that's that's probably the one like series thing that I'm really obsessed with. And then um, we mentioned it earlier, but Brett Goldstein, who plays um, uh, Roy Kent, has a podcast called Films to Be Buried With, and I'm really obsessed with that as well. I've been listening to I've been listening to podcasts in general a lot of the last like two years with the pandemic. Um, I've been, obviously I listen to a lot of entertainment ones, um, uh, as I'm sure you do as well. Um, so like for instance, um, Dak Shepard's Armchair Expert and um, Life is Short with Justin Long and all those kind of ones as interview shows with celebrities that I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. But Brett Golson one is like, it's so great because it's got this like unique twist on it uh, where they talk about um, movies that have significant, like they, they have like, what's the first movie you remember seeing? What's the movie that, that you love but other people don't love? So there's like all these different categories mm -hmm. and I love that they kind of dissect all of it. Um, it's so great. I think it's a wonderful exercise to actually do, like to go through that whole thing and just like, what was the movie that changed your life? What was the mo like, you know, the, the the first one you saw, what was the one that you, that the scariest film or the one that made you cry or whatever. I love that. I think that's fantastic. And hearing people, uh, celebrities go through that um, is such a great thing. So those are the two kind of things I'm obsessed with at the moment. Um, yeah. Okay. 
and Julianne? Um, I don't know. The last two weeks have been chaotic, so I felt like I haven't had time to get into anything. So I've been watching a lot of um, YouTube, and the thing I'm currently obsessed with is Solo Elway's uh, cooking challenge with the New York Times. So she used to be part of Bon Appetit, and then I actually discovered her through Binging with Babish. I'm not sure if I spoke about it on the podcast before. Um, it's this guy and he's a chef and he started out by recreating dishes from movies and TV shows. And it's really, really cool. But then he does like a couple of other things called Basics with Babish and Botched with Babish. And he's really funny and it's really cool. And you just learn a lot about cooking and it's great. Um, and Solo actually featured on there before moving on to New York Times. And it's her and her husband and they get a mystery ingredient and they get one hour to create dinner and a dessert. But, like, it's been weird things like coffee beans or pickles or peanut butter and having to make a main meal out of peanut butter or Oreos. Or it's just been so, so interesting to watch. And she's entertaining as hell. So, yeah, I've been binging a lot of food stuff. Keeping in your Nigella theme, Steve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm actually thinking now, right? And I'm like, maybe I'm having, like, a Mandela effect or something here. But I'm like... I don't even know if Nigella was around like back in the day when I was like growing up. I, I don't know. I don't know where that happened. <laughs> I feel like she was. I feel like she had an issue with the show. She yeah. must have. I think she yeah. was, yeah. I remember seeing it on like Sundays at my grandma's house or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I remember it's that. Three, I remember that. It's very much yeah. that hard. Exactly. Yeah. No, she did. Okay. No, she definitely did. I, I remember her from childhood as well. I was hard in Paris because I was like, am I just remembering something from like last week? That's hilarious. For me, I have two shows this week. Um, I, I binge watched season two of Dickinson, which is like the um, the story of Emily Dickinson. But like, it's hilarious because it's like, it's it's supposed it's like set in the eighteen hundreds, but they use a lot of like modern day like terms and like and it's just it's so well written, it's hilarious and it's like emotional and like it's like Emily Dickinson herself, she was like a recluse and she like she's known for like 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 being stuck in the house. And the way they tell a story is so interesting. It's like you get that kind of aspect of her, but you also get to see like the woman she was and like you know, her going out, her having fun, her having friends, and that, like, sure. you know, that sort of, and why she didn't ever publish her poems, like, because it's like mm. she she battles with, like, with fame, like, does she want to die being nobody? In the second season, that's what she deals with. Like, or does she want to be famous and constantly have to, like, struggle with criticism and, like, and, like, being, and, like, comparing herself to other people's opinion of her? So, And it's, like, it's very interesting, and it, but it's also extremely funny, and I, I love it so much. <laughs> and the second season was even better than the first. And then I watched, there's a new show also on Apple TV called um, Acapulco. Acapulco. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so, um, so I'm reviewing it. So I, I watched all the episodes, but there's like two out now. But um, I like, I love the show. It's like it's Spanish and English. And it's about this... Um, this guy is it's like like how I met your mother type. He's like telling his his nephew about his youth when he worked at this um, resort in Acapulco, and he's now he's like this millionaire. And you're like, how did he get here? 
but then mm. it's like it goes back to the 80s and he's just not like he's telling the story and like it's like the characters are so well like written and they just and it's just it's and it's so funny like i i was laughing all the time but there's also like re, like the 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 guy who plays the younger him is so charming and you get so lost in the story that that like you want to stay in the 80s and you don't but at, in the beginning i was like oh i hate it when they go back to the present time but then by the end i'm like so keen to see what's going to happen in like the present day anyway i don't know if i'm explaining this well but like Acapulco, like if you're looking for something, it's not quite Ted Lasso, but if you're looking for something to kind of like fill that sort of like happy hole inside of you, then then um, then Acapulco is it. When I saw that trending on Twitter, I was like, is this like an Acapulco heat like reboot or something? Because I don't know if you guys remember that that show, Acapulco no. Heat. I have no idea. What is that? <laughs> It was like this. <laughs> yeah, it was like an action fiction series from like nineteen. Yeah, I remember it vaguely. Like I just yeah, it's but it's so like it's so nice. It was yeah. my. It was like a my my Heat also wasn't it? Uh, yeah, so I think it's yeah. nothing of that. It's like a former MI6 person. It's like a CIA type. I don't even remember yeah, it, but it's like. Yeah. <laughs> It was like spy action vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, the pictures are crazy for the <laughs> so nineties. Oh man. <laughs> can he, but I yeah, can I'm imagine. Glad it's not that. I'm glad it's not that. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. It's not that. <laughs> um it's actually based sort of like on how to be a Latin lover. I don't know if you've seen that movie mm, i've heard about it but i've heard of it yeah as well i haven't seen it it's like this guy who's like a gigolo but it's not like that but it's also like don juan like that kind of vibe to it or no not so much no and don juan is a lot more serious this was like mm. it was very much like a, it's like a guy who becomes like a gigolo who's like in the like and then like he marries like this older wealthy like sugar mama type woman and then she, he like gets lazy and he just starts like living his life and then she's like in her 80s and then she dumps him for a younger guy oh, no. and then she has to kind of like find out what he has to do but oh, that's, that's not what the show is about but it's that okay. same guy you eugenio derbez and he and he also has a nephew in that show in that movie called hugo but it's, there's no one <laughs> but thanks guys so much for joining us this was lovely um yeah thank you yeah thank you for having us yeah this is amazing i'll put a link to the to to watch uh, me and i in the show notes and all the stuff but um but yeah thanks so much this was amazing the show is produced by me karen and rebecca barches the show is edited and engineered by Rebecca Barchers. Our admin is done by Leanne Philipson. Our logo was designed by Nathifa Maruf. And the show was created in partnership with IGN Africa. If you like the show, tell everyone that you can any way that you can. Keep up to date with our episodes by subscribing to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please rate and review the episodes on Apple Podcasts, as it helps others find the show. We'll be back in two weeks with another in-depth conversation with a pop culture lover. See you then.